0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, with my friend, my colleague, and my co host, Ross Ferguson, academic advisor, pulpit supply, extraordinaire, and what else? I mean, I produce a lot of ideas. Idea producer. Idea producer. One of the big ideas that you have recently produced is our own Mathena Student Center, the Thompson Cafe, <laughs> yes. the coffee shop here on campus, which is a fantastic coffee shop, by the way. They only hire oh. coffee nerds and coffee snobs. Yes. So it's always good coffee. But they're now carrying. The Scottish Soda Iron Brew. <laughs> yes,
1: they because are because of you. <laughs> because of me. <laughs> How in the world did you get that to but happen? There, there's a negative part of the story and a positive. <laughs> okay. Uh, the negative part involves our previous manager, and if you're listening, you should have taken up the deal back then. On oh, my word. Um, okay. I, I gave him a taster, and he spent ten <laughs> minutes like poo, like a, a kind of coffee snob tasting oh, it, smelling okay. it, it's trying got notes out. of lavender. Yeah, he and said it's got noise of this, yeah. and uh, he just went, "I wouldn't sell this." Uh, oh, and that was it. That was the end of the conversation a year ago. So if you're listening, like you've missed out on an yeah. opportunity. Uh, and then we got a brand new manager over the summer. Uh, okay. And not because we fired the last guy. <laughs> yeah, the other guy was like, you don't like Scottish Soda. You're out of here. <laughs> he's, he went into pastoral ministry, which is exactly what, what he should be doing. And, and we're so pleased to I'm actually going to see that. him
0: in a few weeks. Oh, so I'm well, going to be preaching at, can, the, at the church where he serves. you can yeah. take an
1: iron brew to him. Oh, I will. Um, <laughs> so we got a new manager in. And I just introduced myself to the new manager. And it was just kind of going, hey. You know, are, are you up for trying new things? He was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll try new things. We, we want to help the the cafe be, you know, profitable. So, what's your idea? And I said, Well, Iron Brew is only sold in two places in Kansas City. It's sold really expensively because they have to ship it in. Uh-huh. I was like, It'd be great if the Tomlinson Cafe sold it. And He was like, oh, We'll give it a go and we'll see what happens. So, he orders in 12 bottles. Three days later, it's sold out. Was this you buying all of them? No, I bought one. (laughs) I bought one. Okay. So then he buys 24, Uh uh, and I think there's only maybe four left. So they've sold in, what's that, just over a week. So I think in like 10, 12 days, they've sold... 25 bottles of Iron Brew. Uh, wow. So it's, okay, it's have students profitable. Drunk on Scottish soda. It's really funny though, because I walk <laughs> I walk down the corridor uh, on campus here and some people are like, hey, I tried Iron Brew, love it. Oh. And then a guy yesterday <laughs> came up to me and went, hey, I tried the Iron Brew. Man, that messed up my stomach. I can't. Oh, uh, wow. I, and he was just like, how, how can you drink that stuff? And I was like, I love it. So, so how, do,
0: how does it compare to where you buy it elsewhere? Is it cheaper here at it's least? Ch-
1: it's cheaper here. So okay. if you're listening and you want to try Iron Brew, you've got to come to campus. It's the cheapest. <laughs> it's actually on offer in person I here in Kansas City.
0: How like where they get it from. Like They order online. and so, okay. so
1: Iron Brew is only produced in Scotland. So right. ultimately, although there may be warehouses all over the place, the, yeah. the root place will be Scotland. So okay. it's, it's really funny, though. I was standing in the Tomlinson with Miriam and just looking at the fridge with it in. And I just looked at him and went, how did that happen? <laughs> 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 like, you've got two yeah. Scottish students. Uh-huh. My wife is not nearly as brass-necked as this to try different ideas. And here I am just going, hey, we should sell it. And our <laughs> own pastor at Liberty, as well as chief of staff in the president's office, Tyler Sekora, Yeah, he loves it. Okay. So, you know, I'm working through like the hierarchy say, of Midwestern. I think we talked about this before, but you brought me a bottle did, before yeah. Christmas
0: or at some point last year and and it was good. I yeah. compared it to if people are listening going, "What would this even taste like?" If you've ever had the soda Big Red, yeah. it it's
1: comparable. It's not the same taste, but it it's similar. It has Big Red it's, A luminous orange flavor. And so when people buy it, they think they're getting something orange. I'm like, it doesn't taste orange. Others have said bubblegum. Does it taste like bubblegum? Yeah, some people say it tastes like bubblegum. Somebody said it had a weird aftertaste. And I drank a bottle recently and I thought, Oh yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. So but much, Yeah, but. it's it is a famous Scottish drink. So the easiest way you know it's famous in Scotland is if you go to any kind of fast food place, yeah. they'll have the generic drinks that are sold as fountain drinks. Well in Scotland, as a fountain drink, you get iron, iron brew. brew. So wow. it is kind of one of those things of okay. it's really popular in Scotland. So Okay. Hey, we've got a big announcement to make today. Do you know,
0: really? know what this is? No. Okay. <laughs> I think you do, but okay. you, you'll 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 be reminded when we come to. I'm going to save it for the end because I want people to listen to the whole episode. Okay. <laughs> I don't want them to listen. Get the banter out of the way, yeah. and then get the announcement, and then turn off the episode. So okay. we got a big announcement. If you hang with us through our spiritual warfare discussion, I got a you're big really, announcement. You're to really share building about this podcast. up.
1: Podcast. You're really building this up. You know. Yeah,
0: it's going to be good. It's okay. a it's
1: a it's a big
0: announcement. Okay. It's a major major award. Okay. <laughs> I think that's from a Christmas story. I think we're
1: in this room too early and you're slap happy. Maybe so. Yeah. Oh,
0: man. Speaking of early. You know, a friend of mine used to say to me, Jared, you got to get up before the devil, which is why he would get up at like 3 a.m. And I thought, well. What? Because the devil sleeps between 12 and 3? Yes. I thought I'm not an early person. I've become more of so, you know, more of an early person the older I get. But the devil is usually up a few hours before
1: I get up. Do you know what would really help you wake up in the morning? That's that. Right. An iron brew. An iron brew. <laughs> yeah, then I could have a gaseous <laughs> stomach for the first four hours. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend drinking it before a class. Yeah.
0: Uh, whether you get up before the devil or not, we're talking about spiritual oh, warfare. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> What's your history with this subject matter? I saw your notes, was privy to see your notes <laughs> on the podcast today, and they're, you have they're, zero. They're blind. It says spiritual warfare, completely and then blank. there's
1: nothing. So I'm pretty curious. Yeah. So for me, when you say the word spiritual warfare, yeah. I only think of one guy Carmen. No. Okay. I, <laughs> do you know who Carmen is? No. Okay, okay, keep going. <laughs> okay. One guy. I feel like I do know the name Carmen now you said that. Yeah, he's a Christian musician, or what? Okay, yeah. that's not who I okay. was thinking of. <laughs> I'll put musician in quotes. Okay. <laughs> I, I think of Mark Driscoll. Oh, interesting, okay. And I, the reason I think of Mark Driscoll is back when I was in my like late teens, early 20s, that was kind of his gig. He, it, mm. it was a, a thing that you would talk about a lot. It was a thing you would hear him talk about, write about you know, that we need to be ready to wage war for Jesus, against the devil, against spiritual powers and principalities. And and I know he preached on multiple different sermon series. And this was obviously before everything really came out with Mars Hill and, and various things. But I remember he was a leading voice at the time of spiritual warfare. Yeah, And I think at that kind of younger age, my thing was just like, oh, I guess that is a real thing. But it had a memory for me going all the way back into my teenage years. And I think this is why maybe I personally haven't studied a lot on this. I've got some thoughts and different things. But on the day that my dad died, before he left the house, he turned to us as a family and he said, remember, we wage war against principalities and powers, not Mm -hmm. of this earth, but of in the heavenly realm. And so I think there's a memory lodged in me that, the day that my dad died, he was telling me about spiritual warfare, interesting, and so I then linked that to Mark Driscoll, which was I think you know the over the top machinist let's let's wage war, let's fight together yeah, and then I think I've just kind of for want of a better phrase, felt kind of icky about the subject, you know, just kind of it's not something I've necessarily addressed, of course, I've preached on it, you know, I've touched on things, but it's not something I've necessarily read a lot about. Yeah. For probably those two reasons.
0: I have, I brought up Carmen. I have a really weird history with this subject as a subject growing up in, you know, certain church cultures that seem to sort of vacillate between, I don't know, hot potato issue or just become obsessed with particular things. So yeah. for a while when I was a small child, it was end times type stuff. Yeah. So the church just for a number of years was just overly fixated on the timing of the Lord's return and you know dispensational pre tribulational stuff and the what's going to happen in the tribulation and what's the mark of the beast and mm. and then and that even turned into almost like these urban legends of, yeah. uh, about things and it it just was unhealthy you know expecting the Lord's return and and even studying about the Lord's return eschatology is not unhealthy but the way that they did it I think mm. was unhealthy and then there was a season in which it was this spiritual warfare thing and when I was a kid in the eighties there was a big deal like. You know, we didn't go trick-or-treating because of some emphasis on there's like satanic roots or pagan roots. And not just that, but there are Satanists that are in our neighborhoods and and, and everywhere who are doing things. You know, this urban legend thing kind of kicked in. There's razor blades in the apples and there's needles in the chocolate. And, and then there was this fellow named Mike Warnke. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. So he was a comedian slash preacher, stand-up okay. comic, a Christian comic. And he had this testimony— about being in Satanism as a young mm-hmm. man in California, and then he went to the Vietnam War, and so he had this whole testimony that has lit, was later debunked. Like yeah. none of this was true, but he he wrote a book called The Satan Seller, which yeah. was a best selling book over here, and it was all about this story that apparently was largely, if not entirely, fabricated. But he was very influential. Yeah. And cartoons you couldn't watch, couldn't watch Smurfs because there's yep. a pentagram in the yep. beginning with Gargamel, you know, and you can't watch He-Man or play with He-Man toys because he says I have the power, and that's New Age. And okay. So it was just like yeah. this heightened, yeah. heightened sense of reality that became almost oppressive in and of itself. Yeah. You know the the scriptures say that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear yeah. and yet our fixation on spiritual warfare was very much a spirit of fear. Yeah. And then I got into high school and everyone's got demon stories. You go to yeah. camp, you, you go on a <laughs> you know, youth retreat and around the campfire people are telling their demon stories and this it's like you know, ghost stories Yeah, and, yeah,
1: yeah. the Christian version of ghost yeah. stories. Yeah. And
0: then Carmen shows up and he's this Christian, you know, contemporary Christian music artist. Probably most folks my age or thereabouts from the States will know exactly Carmen because he was a huge deal. He did these like series of songs. He did Witch's Invitation, and there was a song about about Jesus and the devil boxing, and then there's a song about Jesus and the devil having a shootout at the OK Corral or something. (laughs) Every song was like themed around, it seemed, spiritual warfare. There was one called Revival in the Land that begins with a like a dramatic conversation between demons and hell. Yeah. And and it just sort of put it into the popular culture, yeah. this stuff. And what it did for me, brother, was as I kind of aged out of that whole idea, like I went the other way. Okay. This is not even a thing. Okay. You know, I mean, I, yeah. you know, of course, believed in the spiritual world, yeah. still believed in, in the devil and those sorts of things. But I just was like, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. It's so stupid and so weird, and I don't want to think about it. And then when I began pastoral ministry— mm-hmm. I began to go, okay, I need a sensitivity to this that I've kind of overcorrected on. I wonder if in your own ministry, have there been times, circumstances, Mm -hmm. seasons where you've had a heightened sense of like, oh,
1: like spiritual warfare is a real thing? Absolutely. I think it's really interesting that in in ministry we will often say things like, oh, we're going through a trial. God must be wanting us to learn something. We must be, you know, this trial, the beauty will come out of the trial. We, We always kind of spiritualize it but we have a tendency to spiritualize it to God and the positivity side of oh there must be something good happening here Mm. this trial is here for a purpose and actually there's been a couple of church situations where I've definitely went the other way going oh the devil's really wanting to go for us now Mm. now I I can feel it and it's sometimes hard to explain and this is going to sound new agey but there's times I felt that you know in church buildings or even different things where I have felt that that it just doesn't feel right. right yeah. Something's wrong. I've even been in people's homes where yes. I've, I've been thinking, I shouldn't be here or I need to be careful. And there's just this sense that you're walking into the enemy territory or he's trying to, to push against you. I remember one particular church, we had a, quite a significant homeless ministry and that that would shift, you know, there'd be moments of good, moments of bad, But I remember one particular day and you could just feel something was not right. And there was a particular character in the time that kind of came into the church. And just the things he was saying, the things he was doing, it was almost like I had those kind of spiritual hackles up. And I was thinking, this guy's dangerous. And it wasn't because he was doing something practical, physical, or even who he is as an individual. You just felt like he was fighting for the other side. And it's hard to, I think, for some people to understand what we're seeing here, we're not kind of saying some like weird spiritual, you know.
0: Yeah, it's not about superstition. It's not, or, it's not, yeah. yeah,
1: it's not like this weird feeling that we've got. It is that distinct thought that this isn't God doing this. This is the devil kind of coming for us. Yeah.
0: Well, if the Holy Spirit resides in, in us, yes, and, you know, we're united to Christ spiritually, it would make sense that when you kind of brush up against a heightened, yeah. you know, sense of this, that there's a reaction, it's not in your yeah. own. I mean, you know, there's, you know, the hair on the back of your neck standing yeah. up and there's goosebumps or there's chills or w- there's a gut reaction. Yeah. But then I, then I, there's like I think this there's intense... this, yes, there's a spiritual yeah. discernment of like, there's something happening here.
1: I went to a community meal. So again, this was the the YMCA. There was a, They put on community meals in in our town. And I went to to one of these meals and they had a humanistic prayer before the oh, event, weird. which was really strange because- Who are you praying to? <laughs> Who are they praying to? And, <laughs> uh, and they said, like, you don't need to bow your head and close your eyes. And I was like, yeah, go figure because <laughs> you know, you're know not concentrating on anything. Yeah. They couldn't say amen at the end because yeah. that, that, like, that's spiritual. Anyway, I remember sitting in this room and this humanistic prayer going on. i a community pastor, I'm there, and I just got this distinct feeling of- <laughs> wow, I am definitely behind enemy lines and I could feel the room. They were they were positive to the humanistic prayer and I just felt like I was the only person in that room. Now, it wasn't true, but there was this distinct feeling, I'm the only person in this room who is now working against what I'm currently being around. Mm. And it was that sense of God's on my side, the devil's in this room has captivated some of these people. Something's going to happen. Actually, that night there were some fairly heated conversations about faith, mm. and it was all. And I could have sensed that before even starting. I could have sensed this was going to go somewhere. Yeah. So it it does sound strange that we're saying there are feelings we have, but we're not saying feelings as in happy, joy, sad. We're saying this distinct thought that yeah. this is more than physical. There are spiritual things going on here.
0: I received a phone call. I was pastoring in Vermont, and I received a phone call from a lady I'd, I'd never met her before, and she was describing she was a lady who lived in the town. She was saying that her son-in-law was in the hospital and she was really upset and you know he might die and she needed help and would mm-hmm. I you know speak with her and and I thought, oh, you know, this is an opportunity to minister to somebody yeah. and you know uh, in, in particular someone outside the church who I assumed was a lost person. And so I invited her to come to the church, and she said, no, I can't I can't come mm-hmm. into the church. I can't come into the church. And, I, you know, as I thought back on this, you know, surely I asked her why, but I don't remember, if, mm-hmm. you know, what she said why. But in any event, I went to go visit her. And there were two things I noticed for, when I walked into her home. She lived in a trailer, a very dilapidated kind of mobile home type uh, situation. When I walked in, there were two things that I noticed just, you know, visually. It was like a hoarder's house. There were piles of trash and stacks of papers and just junk everywhere. And the place was kind of falling apart. And there was a smell Mm -hmm. to it, rotten food and mold and those sorts of things. There was a big hole in the floor of her kitchen. She later described that raccoons would come up into the house and those sorts of things. So she lived like a homeless person, even though she had a home, basically, or just or mentally ill person and just not taking care of herself or her space. The other thing I noticed was she had all of these pictures on the wall, different decorations of, like, Eastern kind mm-hmm. of things, including one that she said was Jesus. And he had, you know, the bend, he had the thing on his yeah. head, and it was a the third eye. So it was like an Eastern or yeah. kind of, you know, guru Jesus thing. And just the whole—I mm-hmm. mean, you know, physically, you know, I, I was distraught by the situation. Yeah. But there was just something off spiritually about it. And as I began to visit with her, and she's telling me everything about her life except for her son-in-law. I think I'm there to to talk about how her son-in-law is doing. Yeah. Can I, you know, share Jesus with her? Can I go visit the son-in-law? Is he really in the hospital dying? I mean, it's like an hour. She hasn't even yeah. mentioned him. It's yeah. all about her life, you know, and and what she did. And and it's just all over the place. And at some point, she starts talking about her her spirituality and. Mm. You know, she's into crystals, and she's into, you know, she visited with a guru in India, and yeah. there's all these things. And that's where all these, you know, pictures of things coming from. And she's getting more and more sort of frenetic about this whole thing, and I'm getting more and more uncomfortable about yeah. the whole thing. And at some point, you know, we're sitting, you know, she's an older lady, and, and I'm sitting in this sort of chair next to this little table where her, and she sit in a chair. And she reaches out to take my hand, yeah. and she goes, I want to read your palm. Oh, no. And my first thought was, first of all, I don't want to be holding hands even with an old lady. (laughs) Uh, But the other thing was, like, I don't want that. That's not what I'm here to do. And I I pulled my hand away, maybe somewhat abruptly, but I didn't, like, yell at her or snap at her. But I pulled my hand away. And, brother, her face changed. Something physically happened. She was a different person in her face. I had this, I don't want to say vision. I don't want to make it sound more, you know, charismatic than it was. but her face, she was not her. Something happened in her face. And it was like, it snapped me to reality of like, number one, I don't want to be in this house. But number two, there's something here spiritual. There's an enemy in this space. And so I extricated myself, you know, from that situation. But it was like a reminder to Mm -hmm. me, there was another situation later with actually a church member, a lady Mm -hmm. who was, you know, there was some sexual impropriety there, infidelity against her husband. And As I'm sorting some of that out, some of the things that she's sharing with me and expressing Mm -hmm. with me, they're not necessarily things that we haven't heard before, you know, about depression, those sorts of things. But the deeper it gets and the more she talks, I'm becoming more and more convinced, like, there is a spiritual quality here that now some of the things she's saying, I think she's being oppressed or being impacted by demonic activity. And it's just something we need to be aware yeah. of, not to run, you know, C.S. Lewis, I think, in the, his intro to Screw Tape Letters, if it's not there, I'm not sure where it is, but he talks about the opposite errors with yes. devils. Yep. And one is that we become, you know, totally fixated
1: and everything on them. But the other error is that we just
0: pretend they don't exist. Yeah. And I think
1: so far we've talked about the small individual kind of thoughts and feelings we have in those moments. I think we can also pull that out to a societal level as well, yeah. that when we look at our society and we, we say things like this, man, it's crazy that society's like this, or that's a crazy yeah. thing that's just happened. Man, this transgender yeah. ideology. Exactly. It, it, it I mean, what else could it be? And and you're seeing, I mean, I, I think this is more of a open thing in the States. So I'm not saying it's not in the UK. I, I think I've just seen it more but marches for abortion, yeah. like actually seeing people with placards, w- marching, saying, you know, let us kill babies if we want to. Right. I, I think British people think that. I just think we're too, You're too stiff up our lip to do things like that. <laughs> okay. But just that thought, like if, if we boil it right down, genuinely human beings are happy with these things? Yeah. Well, not all, which means if we are on the godly side as Christians saying, "No, these things are wrong, these things are evil, these things are sin, then you've got to think that there are people on the other side yeah. which are thinking these evil things are actually fine, and you can't say that they get to that completely on their own, as we've talked individually, there is that spiritual force like universally that's the societal the the country the the people that are being influenced by this, and I think it's naive of us to think that these new ideologies and, and new situations that we're facing in the you know, last 50 years getting more intense now are not the devil playing his game. Well, yeah, when you when you talk about the societal level and
0: these movements and ideologies that sort of begin to take root in our culture, we're talking about powers and principalities. Absolutely. I mean, that's the level yeah. of, of things that we're dealing with. Okay, so that's the, the problems. How do we wage war in mm. these situations? Because in, again, the you know, how how I was originally exposed to this concept. Well, I'll give you an example that kind of comes from a very popular book. Did you guys have on your side of the pond the Frank Peretti novels, This Present Darkness? and? I don't recall the title Okay, so these were like million-selling books, okay. a series of fiction books by a Christian author, Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness, Piercing the Br- Darkness. I'm not sure if there was a third one, but— this Present Darkness was a spiritual warfare book. Mm. It's about somebody who moves to a small town and discovers that there's a demonic influence on, all, you know, the school and everything. Yeah. And the idea was, like, the way you're going to fight against this, the angels are fighting the devils. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's going to happen? Who's yeah. going to win? Yeah, yeah. And it's largely dependent on how hard you pray, how big your faith is, if the angels mm-hmm. will win. And this idea was kind of carried over into the Carmen music stuff yep. as well. Is like, how does Jesus beat the devil? Well, mm-hmm. you just believe in him. And yeah, and it reminded me of kind of like the old you know Peter Pan stories with Tinker Bell. And there's like yeah. the part in I don't know if this is in the movie in, in the Disney movie, but in the original stories, Tinker Bell dies or something happens, and like you have to clap. And oh, if you yeah. clap for Tinker Bell, she comes back to life. Yeah. yeah. And the impression is like Jesus is like Tinker Bell. He yeah. need, he needs your <laughs> yeah. he needs your prayer. The angels need your prayer. In order to defeat the devils. Well, that's so silly. And that's just an even, I mean, it's just sort of a Christianized carnality. It's just putting,
1: you know, the emphasis back on the flesh for these things. And I think that phrase, wage war or spiritual warfare, it makes us think, oh, we are the ones that are the soldiers that can win this battle. If we go to the... Ephesians 6. That's uh, where I've that's got where open. He, okay, uh, got yeah, so go for it. The whole armor of God, uh, uh, that's the simple answer. But I want to just read a couple of things and then point something out. So Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord. That's what I want to start with, strong in the Lord. In the strength of? Ex- exactly, in the strength of his might, not right. our might. So ultimately, waging war against dark forces is the Lord's battle because it is the Lord who is strong and it's his might that we stand in. And then we're told to put on the whole armor of God. It's not our armor, it's his armor. And then just a little bit down verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against. And it's something that that word wrestle, I think, is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that we wage full war against as we wrestle. This is going to kind of be a bit of backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. If you ever watch a, a wrestling match, it's kind of a tussle. You're constantly looking for moves and looking for ways to kind of win against your opponent. And it's one of those things, I think, on an earthly perspective, we're the ones wrestling. We're the ones battling on this earth in a kind of physical sense, kind of looking for moves, looking to be able to win. But right at the beginning, we're told, again, strong in the Lord, in his might, in his armor. The issue, the negative, if you will, is our humanity, is our sinfulness. Mm -hmm. But God's elements are perfect. So if God was left to himself, just God against the devil, he's the one that's going to win. In fact, we actually know the story, how it ends in Revelation. He does win. But on this earthly perspective, God in his grace and, and in his plan is using us to wage war, to wrestle against the devil and his ways. But we are finite beings and we have failures and we have struggles. And in some senses, I think that word wrestle is picking up on this, that we are to take on God's things that he's giving us, his might, his strength, his armor, but we're also taking them on as imperfect people. Therefore, it's a constant wrestle, a wrestle against the devil, a wrestle against God, because if we're honest, we don't always want God's might. We want to do <laughs> it on our own. We yeah. want our armor, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think that's, how, that's where we start. If you're ever getting these feelings, these thoughts or these situations, or really, to be honest, I think every day we need to prepare for this in our current society. We start with be strong in the Lord and in his might.
0: The armor, as Paul goes on to explain as well, kind of puts us back on this idea of like, these aren't things that are grounded in our own strength Mm. or in our own wherewithal. They come from the Lord, right? Stand therefore, this is verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth, Mm. put on the breastplate of righteousness. For your shoes, you're putting on the gospel. Mm -hmm. Take up shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, all of these things are aren't things that God does or yeah. has you know yeah. given us or has done for us. These aren't things of ourselves. It's not you know put on the belt of your strength or of your <laughs> intellect or yeah. your you know any of those sorts of things. This is all stuff that comes through um, yeah. as part of a you know series of gifts in the fountain of grace that Christ is yeah. for us. And so when Jesus says to disciples, "I've given you authority over demons, like you can cast out demons." Those sorts of things. It's not because they're great mm. and when we're thinking about spiritual warfare, the angels don't win because we're strong. Yeah. You know, because we prayed hard enough. We pray and if there's a an effect, it's because Christ is strong, mm-hmm. because he's working through our weakness, and which is what prayer is essentially. Pray I mean, prayer is like the expression of we can't do anything. Yeah. All I can do is ask God to do something. <laughs> so it's a, a spiritual expression of mm. weakness in and of itself, which is where the strength
1: of Christ is made yeah. perfect. And I want to emphasize the phrasing here whole armor of God. So I keep thinking about the the fruit of the spirit. We always say it's not fruits, these are this is one fruit growing at the same time all yeah. these things. Well, it's the whole armor of God and I think as Christians, we have a tendency to focus on one and we'll say, "Oh, you know what we need in this situation? We need more Bible in this situation or or, or we need more prayer in this situation." We're actually what we're being told here is the entire armor is needed because the entire armor can protect us and defend us from those spiritual attacks. And part of the reason I want to bring that, and really going back to what I said earlier, the day my dad died, this was the passage he went to, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because, you know, this was 20 years ago. He had been given a call from a family whose ex-husband had come drunk, trying to steal his kids back and take them away from from ex-wife And that was his response. His response was, I'm going to go and help, but you need to understand we don't fight against mere mortals. We fight against the spiritual battle that the devil is putting against us. And he was pointing us to this passage, to the whole armor of God. Now, yes, earthly speaking, he lost that day in terms of losing his life. But eternally speaking, the devil lost that day. That's right. Because my dad gets to enjoy eternity with Christ. I don't know where... This guy ended up in terms of faith and wherever. But I think that's what we're being told here. We need the armor now on this earthly realm because it's a wrestle, a daily battle. But the armor can be tossed off in eternity because we don't need to protect anything because we're we're hidden in the sun. Um, And I think that's the thing I want to say is that in these moments, in this world that we are currently in, in this society... We need to wake up to putting on the whole armor of God. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's one of my final notes is just even if you come out of an upbringing where this was overly emphasized into a spirit of fear, to realize, number one, you have authority because Christ Mm -hmm. has given you authority because you're a co-heir with Christ in the things of God. But to have a heightened reality Mm -hmm. to, to this, to understand like the devil hates you. Yeah. And, but if you resist him, he will flee. Yeah. You can rebuke him with the things of faith, with the the gospel, not because you're great, not because you're strong, not because you're Mm -hmm. super spiritual, but because Christ is king. And as Martin Luther once said, even the devil
1: is the Lord's devil. Mm -hmm. He he is subject to the God of the universe. And John 15 tells us it's really interesting where it actually lands. Uh, Jesus teaches on being true vine. And so he gives this positive, you can be in me and I I Mm and you, we can be together through his sacrifice. And then he says, and the world's going to hate you. Mm. It's more, he gives us the promise, then he tells us what's going to end up happening on this earth. And I think that's the same we're seeing in Ephesians 6. Hey, it's my might, I'm going to win, but here's the reality on this earth. You're going to battle, you're going to wrestle. And I think... We don't want to be walking into the world going, oh, they hate us. I I want to be away from them. <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. and I do also think there's a movement against these ideologies of let's retreat. Let's retreat back into our churches, back into our homes. They can't touch our home. They can't touch our church. But that's kind of not what we're seeing actually in scripture. What we're yeah. seeing in scripture is, hey, in your home, get that armor on because you're going to open that door and you're going to go out. And I think as we seek to evangelize this world, as we seek to share the gospel, we need to know that there's going to be hatred towards us and we need to know that we need to protect ourselves from that. And this may come practically, this may come medically, you know, just in the last couple of years with COVID, this may come in terms of low numbers in churches, all these things, but it also can come in a spiritual sense. And if anything, I think that is what underpins all of the attacks against us. And I just don't think we think about it enough. Yeah. Now, and I know I'm saying that for myself, that I probably don't think about this enough.
0: You did pretty good for no notes. <laughs> it's pretty good.
1: I have no idea <laughs> yeah, what I said. <laughs> was anything of value, but, you know, the listeners will yeah. tell us. No, that's good. I think it was a good episode. And we have a big announcement. Okay. No, no idea what this is. I, I, I might okay. no, but if I say it, I don't know. I'll I think leave. it's a big announcement. Okay. Probably
0: when I say it, you'll be like, well, that's not that, that big a deal. <laughs> so our listeners have probably noticed that over the last several months, we have not had guest episodes. Our custom has been to alternate weeks. So mm. any given month we'll have two episodes with you and me yep. and then two episodes where I interview someone who's written a book or is some sort of authority in some area. I want to mm-hmm. talk about mission in some place and I'll talk to somebody about that and that sort of thing. I Decided to take a break from that over the summer and just thought, hey, let's just get in once a month and record a set of episodes and just you know, just me and you and mm. I'll get back to guests later. Well, the numbers have come in. I know I'm not allowed to share numbers, yeah. like the ratings. We're like Netflix. <laughs> Netflix won't say how many views of things yeah. that they've got. So I can't share the numbers, but they're pretty really good. Yeah. we got really good numbers. Yeah. And those numbers have gone up. Uh, so in a time that you would think people would listen less over the summer, mm. you know, there's much stuff going on, vacations. You know, I guess people listen to podcasts and all kinds of things. But I'm just thinking the normal course of your life, you listen to podcasts and maybe you slow down. Our numbers have gone up yep. over the last few months in the episodes that are just me and you. Yeah. And that's not the only reason I was already kind of thinking about doing this. Mm-hmm. But we're going to not do the guest episodes. Mm-hmm. I'll continue to do one every now and again. You know, we'll do the annual Christmas episode with, with Ronnie Martin. He always comes back to talk about Christmas. There's a couple of books out there that I'd like to talk to the authors yeah. about. But those will be sort of exceptions. Those will be anomalies, yeah. you know, one every now and again, week to week. It's gonna be me and you. That's it. That's the big announcement. Yep. Whether people like it or not, <laughs> but it seems like they like it. It seems like this is what they want. We're giving yeah. the people what they want. Yeah. So was that a big enough announcement? That was you, a big think? enough okay. announcement. Right.
1: I think. That's what I was thinking you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I, but I didn't want to say I lied in case. <laughs> in case the I big announcement I is I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm quitting. I'm out of here. No, I mean we enjoy doing it together and we enjoy corporate going sponsor Iron <laughs> I'm brought to you by <laughs> Iron <Ironboro. by Ironboro. laughs> Hey, next time we record, I should okay. bring some enemy. Okay. Just get it nice, oh, nice no, I, I think we enjoy doing it, and, and I'm glad that so many people are commenting, reviewing, sharing podcasts. I I hear a lot. We get a lot of messages and emails and yep. different things, same people are enjoying it. I think our comedy could get a little bit better at times, but ah, you, know well, you yeah, know, we'll work on it. But yeah, we'll I actually, there. I actually stopped. I won't say the guy's name, off, but I spoke to a professor yesterday, and he actually said, "Hey, I listened to the podcast. You, you guys are great." And I was like, <laughs> "Thanks, cheers." I, I got a
0: text from one of our colleagues. I, I won't, I won't name them, but well, I, I'll have to name them actually. So I'm on a text thread with the other two Jareds. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there are three Jareds here, <laughs> and so I always get these messages from either of the Jareds when they go out, and someone asks them yeah. what their name is, and they say Jared, and they find out they're from Midwestern. They are. <laughs> they always text me when someone says, "Are you Jared Wilson?" <laughs> Which is hilarious. But anyway, one of the Jareds sent me this message. Just had a random Air Force helicopter pilot recognize my Nam shirt, North American Mission Board. Uh-huh. So I told him I worked for MBTS. When he found out my name was Jared, and because he's a listener to the FTC podcast, <laughs> he asked if I was Jared Wilson. The Jared confusion has a wide reach. He says, "I'm in Ohio." I was very close to saying yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. There's an Air Force helicopter pilot. When yeah, I isn't. was, you know, preaching in Australia, people asked about the podcast. Really? listen to the podcast. So the listenership is wide. We mm-hmm. think that they're happy with what we've been doing, and of course, if they want. If you have guest ideas, you could let me know on social media, like, hey, every now and again, maybe you should, uh, this new book is out. Maybe you could, you know, interview this person. I'm open to those, but I got week the... in,
1: week out, it's going to be me and Ross. Can it's I... going to be me and Lil Ferg. <laughs> Do you know, my mother messaged me, and this is how embarrassing that name is. My mother messaged me and said, I am quite concerned about you and Jared's new names. <laughs> And J Money, Lil Ferg. What's I think it might be going to our head a little bit. Okay. You know, <laughs> hey, for the Christmas yeah. one, Pat, it's okay. <laughs> it's not. It is okay. strange. <laughs> for the Christmas one, you and Ronnie Martin, we all know that that is only recorded for one reason and one reason only, which is what? Because you want your Christmas devotion to go as high as possible, <laughs> and you want to beat Ronnie Martin. We yeah. all know that, so we'll, we'll give you that. I'll have one. to ask him his numbers.
0: I'm a little. I'm scared. Because my numbers were pretty good. The Advent uh-huh. book sold really well, actually.
1: And I don't, I'm scared his numbers going to be higher than mine. So well, I bought I both ask. of them last year. Okay, and well, there you go. And listeners hear that. There's two I, sales. I bought Jared's book. Like, there's there's no <laughs> gift in kind here. Nothing like it, that, uh, you know. I, I didn't get <laughs> enough of those. You know. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's been a
0: great episode. If you, well, I'll say so. I don't know. It's been a great time with you, is what I meant to say. But I guess this is up to the listener if it was a great episode. If you enjoy it, please give us a good review yeah. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at FTC.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.